0: Now I'm very excited to start this new series today. Uh, we're calling it the Leap, and it's we're going to be talking about leaps of faith. Um, now, full disclosure, I wanted to call it something related to like trapeze artists. But I, for the life of me, could not find a, uh, a really high-resolution, non-copyrighted photo to use for the background. So you get a generic guy leaping, and that's what it is. We're talking about leaps of faith. You'll see why trapeze in a minute. Um, but again, we're talking about leaps of faith because any person who commits their life to Christ and wants to f- actually follow Jesus, you're going to at some point be asked by God to take a leap of faith. Now, what exactly is a leap of faith? A leap of faith is when you trust God enough to move from where you are, to where he wants you to be. It's not overly complicated in in what it is. It's simply God asking you to move from where you are to where he wants you to be. Now, that might seem a little generic, but we're going to talk about uh, the the parts of a leap of faith because there are distinct parts of a leap of faith. And so we're going to really dive in and, and dig deep on this so that we can really understand it. But simply trusting God enough to be obedient is the main factor here. Um, throughout this series, we're going to actually dive in and look at the life of one of the most important people in the Bible. His name is Abraham. Uh, Abraham um, is actually one of the like, pinnacle characters or, or you know, cornerstone characters of the Bible um, because everything kind of hinges off of him. In fact, the story of Scripture that God is going to start in the passage we look at today is the story that actually takes you through the rest of the Bible. And so we're going to be in Genesis 12, if you want to go ahead and flip there. Um, Genesis 12, we'll start in verse 1, right at the very top. And this is kind of a little bit where Abraham really enters the story. And, um, but what makes Abraham so important is that he's the father of the Jewish people. Meaning that like the nation of Israel, the Jewish people that we see in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, They are genetic descendants of this one guy. Like his family, the the kids and his kids of kids, the kids of kids, grandkids, you know how the Bible gets into those, and such and such begot such and such and begot such and such, if you've ever read those verses. Um, it Actually, the Jewish people genetically descended from this one guy. And the reason they are a people who separated apart from everybody else, what makes them special is the promise that God made with Abraham that we're going to look at Today, and the reason I want to look at Abraham is because his entire life is a leap of faith. You can say it's one long leap of faith, you can say it's a bunch of little ones, but either way, his life was essentially a leap of faith. Now, the story of Abraham and God's relationship with Abraham picks up in Genesis 12. We don't really know if God had any interaction with Abraham before this We really don't know. Um, we don't really even know if he was like a God follower at this point. Because again, there's no Judaism, there's no Christianity, all the major world religions aren't even a thing yet. Yeah? Like this is how long ago in the past it was. And the only thing we really know is that in ancient Middle Eastern cultures, they tended to be polytheistic in, in their religious beliefs. But we don't know exactly what Abraham was. I kind of suspect that there's more that happened before we dive in that is just not a part of the Bible. God just decided those weren't the details that we needed to focus on. So we're going to focus on what we do have. So in Genesis 12, the story begins with God making a promise to Abraham. And this promise is going to be carried out through the rest of the Bible, Old Testament and New. And it all starts with a relationship between God and Abraham. It all starts with a leap of faith. This is what we see. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Abram is what his name is now. God has a habit of changing people's names after he builds a relationship with them. So later on, God changes his name to Abraham, and that's what he's famous for. That's what the Jewish people knew him for. They were you know, Father Abraham, so we're going to call him Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So God calls Abraham to leave pretty much everything that he's ever known. You'll notice there's three things he specifically says. Go from your country, meaning leave behind the life that you have known, the culture that you grew up in. Um, you know, we live in a world that's a lot smaller than it used to be. Like that, we have the Internet, we have international travel, we have cars, we have planes. So a lot of times cultures blend together in our world. Everything was very, very separated. I mean, by a few hundred miles, whatever you could make in a a trip on foot or with a camel or whatever, a horse, that was all, I mean, the world was so much bigger then, and so a trip like this was literally moving your entire family. It'd be like us traveling to the other side of the world. And so he says, leave your country. That might mean his Culture. That might mean all the religious stuff that he's ever seen around him might mean leaving that. It might even mean speaking a different language once he gets where he's going. Abraham grew up the bulk of his life in a place called Haran, which is in modern day Turkey. And this journey that he's going to go on is about a 400 mile journey south to the region of Canaan. And God asks him, leave your culture. Leave your kindred, your family, your friends. In ancient Middle Eastern cultures, families, like extended families, all tended to kind of stay together and live together. Now, in our culture, there'd be a lot more murders if we did stuff like that, right? Like, there's a reason we don't all live with our mother-in-laws and father-in-laws and aunts and uncles and all that, right? But, but that's what they did then. And so the, he's very much saying, leave your family behind and go on this trip. And then he says, in your father's house. And because they lived in one extended uh, kind of home wasn't the home, but you know what I mean, they all lived together, everything that was in the family belonged to the oldest person in the family, it was Abraham's dad was kind of the, the mat- or patriarch who owned all the things, and so it's saying, you're going to leave even this financial stability, this, this organizational structure that you've lived in and worked in your entire life, Abraham is literally being asked to leave behind everything he's ever known. And so many stories of people taking leaps of faith begin with something like that. Begin with you and I being asked to let go of something. Now, I mentioned the trapeze thing earlier. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be most people. but how many of you have been to the circus at some point in your life, a circus, or seen a trapeze flyer? Yeah, OK. There's two general roles in a trapeze act. You can spot this, but I, after doing a little research, I've got names for them now. Um, there's the flyers. And the catchers, the names are pretty self-explanatory. The flyers are the ones who swing and let go of the trapeze and go spinning and hurling through the air, defying certain death, you know, they're the ones that get up there and kind of float around. And the catcher is the one who stays firmly planted. The catcher is the smart one who stays firmly attached to to the trapeze and they swing out and they catch the flyer at just the right moment. Now, there's three parts to every trapeze stunt. There's letting go. Oops, let me jump ahead. Letting go. This is where the flyer swings and lets go. And then they do their moves, whatever it might be, the spinning, the tumbling, whatever. They let go. Secondly, there's waiting. Because when they're in the air... They're waiting. There's nothing they can do to get out of the air any quicker. They've committed, and they're spinning and doing their move, whatever it is. And what's interesting is, and you can probably imagine this, but when you're flipping through the air or concentrating on rotating your body or doing something, they can't see the catcher. They're totally in a place of complete trust, just hoping that whoever their partner is usually is going to come in and save them at just the right time, and that brings us to the last part, which is the catch. This is when their trusted partner shows up at just the right moment, grabs them by their wrists, and saves them from, again, certain doom. Now, oddly enough, we go through some very similar stages when we take leaps of faith, okay? There is letting go, like we just talked about. Now, we've got to Let go of maybe something that's familiar, something that's comfortable, maybe a life that we have found stability and peace in. We got to let go of something, usually, so that we can move to where God wants us to be. There's waiting. Very rarely does somebody who's taking a leap of faith. Move or let go of something in their life, very rarely do they immediately land on solid ground. There's almost always this in between waiting period where you start to wonder, is God going to show up? Is God going to come through? Is all this going to work out? And you start biting your nails and you get a little nervous. There's always this waiting period, this in between period. And then finally, there's the catch. This is where God does show up. He comes through on the promises and you land in a solid place and you start to make sense of life again. You're not waiting, you're not out in the open anymore, and you realize oftentimes once God kind of catches you and brings you back into his arms, you can look back on that waiting period that felt so uncertain and so bizarre, you can look back on it and and see how God was actually there with you, leading you the entire time. Now, um, before I met Abby in college, I dated another girl for three years, which is a long time when you're young, and you know, as with young love, especially, when you meet somebody, you are immediately convinced that it's going to go the distance. I don't know why that is. You're a freshman in high school. You meet somebody, you're like, oh, it's true love, and we're going to get married and have babies. We're going to go. You think it's going to last forever. And 99.9% of the time, we're wrong. Like, that just doesn't, that's just not how things typically go. Sometimes it, it does, but, but we're always convinced that it's going to go the distance, and this girl, I, we dated right after I got out of high school and, and into college, and I, w- again, was convinced. We're going to go the distance. And, but in college, as I, I started trying to be more open to what God was leading, how God was leading in my life, I started to get this nagging feeling that this relationship wasn't really honoring him for, for various reasons, and that maybe we needed to break up. And I would love to say that I took this decisive plunge like that I was I took a solid break God told me to break off then I'm gonna do it I'm just gonna boom listen to God and jump out into the unknown I would like to say that I did that but I was really like hesitant to break up with this girl because we dated for almost three years at that point and it's like I knew her she knew me Our families were okay with each other, we were okay with each other's families, we'd done Christmases at each other's you know, stuff, we'd gotten presents for brothers and sisters. I mean, our lives were all kinds of intertwined, and I was scared to, to kind of end that. It was very comfortable being in that place, and I actually was talking to somebody about it who was older and wiser, and they looked me right in the eyes after I kind of said, what do I do? And they said, Anthony, it sounds to me like you already know what you need to do, you're just afraid to do it. And so I'd like to say that this leap of faith of trusting God and ending this relationship, I'd like to say that it was this bold jumping off a cliff, hoping for the best kind of thing. But actually, it was a slow, painful thing because I was so fearful of actually letting go of something that I cared about. And so this little short video actually illustrates a lot more of what my leap of faith looked like. Not real committed, I mean, it's like he already had plans to go down to the water, but man, he took a rough way to get there. Like, it was slow, and it was painful, and his friends at the top, like, I had to cut part of it up, but his friends up at the top, like, bent over laughing so hard at him, you can't hardly, which is what a good friend does, by the way. That's what friends are for, but like, that's, like, that's kind of how I approach this. Like, I didn't break it off quick. I didn't approach it right. I was too hesitant, too scared. And it finally ended, but it was not probably in a better way or the best way that it could have done. But, you know, um, it finally, we did, you know, break up. And I don't know if this was just me or everybody who's young, but I was so impatient. I've, I had always, I, I mean, ever since I was just a real young kid, I was always hungry for that next thing. That next milestone, that next stage. Before I could drive, I wanted to drive. As soon as I got my license, I wanted to consider myself an adult. When I, once I got in college, I, still, I was a legal adult, and I still wanted to consider myself an adult. But I was too dumb to be an adult. My parents knew that, but I didn't know that. You know? And so you, you have some of that tension that goes along there. Whatever it was, I always wanted that next thing. And so once I got into college and I finally figured out what I was going to do with my life, what's the next thing you do once you figure out what you're going to do with your life? Then you're going to find somebody to spend your life with. And then you want to get married. Well, I thought, oh, there's the girl I'm going to spend my life with. We've been together for three years. We're just going to be together forever. And so I had kind of, in my mind, I was already moving on to that next stage because getting married is easy. Finding the person to marry is always the hard part, I thought. And so I thought, I got that out of the way. I'm already on the next thing. And so when we broke up, it felt like I was already almost to the finish line, and I had to go back to the starting line, in my head, because again, you're so your, your perspective is so off when you're younger, and I don't mean that as an insult. It's just the reality of being younger. You don't have time to kind of enhance your ability to see the world, and so like I'm like 22, maybe at this point, maybe 21, and I'm thinking, oh, I have to start over. I'm, I mean at the ripe old age of 21, 22, oh, I can't be can't believe I'm starting over on this world of love. Even if I found a girl now, what am I going to be getting married at? 25? I mean, I'll be an old man by then. I mean, I really felt this false sense of impending doom and and I was so hesitant about everything and and there was this weird in-between time where I was kind of freaking out. And then, you know, your heart heals and you kind of get some perspective and some friendships around you that I hope you see clearly, and along the story goes, I struck up a conversation with a girl I didn't know in the cafeteria at school, and ended up marrying her, and my life is better than anything I had planned back when I was 20, and it's amazing how all that works out. Now, let me just say this. I'm not saying that if you get out of a relationship that doesn't honor God, God will automatically give you a good relationship. No, the goal is not to get a better relationship. The goal is to be honoring to God. That was, even if, even if I didn't end up striking up a conversation with Abby in the cafeteria and end up getting married and all that, the goal was still to honor God with everything. And so there's these three parts, and I went through those three parts, letting go, waiting, panicking, freaking out, and then the catch. Now, each week we're going to talk about one aspect of a leap of faith, and today we're going to talk about letting go. And you might ask, why does God make us let go of anything? Why, do, why can't God just bless us by letting us have our cake and eat it too? Why, why does he often ask us to let go of something when it comes to these leaps of faith? Well, I think there could be possible or multiple answers to this, but here's one of the most simple. Sometimes we have our lives so full of lesser things that there's no room for the best things. I mean, if I got my hands full of stuff and someone's trying to hand me something awesome, I'm going to have to let some things go so that my hands are free to take what's better. And I think one of the most simple explanations for why God often makes us let go of a stage of life, let go of stability, let go of security, whatever it might be, is because we are holding on to something. We're building our life on lesser things. And he says, no, you've got to let that go if you're going to have room in your hands for these better things to come later on. And so God asks us to let go so that we can have what's better. But the thing about letting go is that it's almost always painful. It's almost always scary. Because sometimes you're going to be asked to let go of things that you care about. Things that you love. Places that you love. Things that make you comfortable. Sometimes things that, again, add a certain level of peace in your life because you've kind of built your life on on these things. Um, I have some friends that ended up becoming overseas missionaries. And like not like to like not not missionaries in another country like, oh, they got they went to Canada where the culture is almost identical. Or they went to Australia where the language is the same and the bathrooms are the same and all that stuff. No, like they went to like most all of them are in countries that are completely different. I have a friend from high school from my high school youth group. Uh, she and her husband are raising their kids in one of the most dangerous countries in northern Africa. And you think, why would they possibly do that? Because it wasn't like that. her and her husband, you know, two young people with no kids went off and made this decision. And, you know, you, know how you do stuff when you're dumb and unattached and you don't have anything kind of rooting you down. It wasn't like they made that choice. They went, once they had already had several kids, they felt God's call. And they gave up the life that they had to go and honor that calling to go share Jesus with people in a country they didn't know, and to speak a language that they didn't know at the time. We had, um, in college, Abby and I have a couple friends. Um, The husband lived a few doors down from me. The wife was actually Abby's roommate for a year. They went, and they're now full-time missionaries in Myanmar, and they run a tech company and share Jesus with people kind of through that, and it's kind of amazing the, the way God has worked through that, but again, they're raising three kids in Southeast Asia, and, and it's, it's just nuts how, how God has called them and they were obedient. And, of course, we got our very own Nate and, and Hope Van Ravensway. Nate grew up in our youth group here. And now they're in Thailand sharing Jesus with college students and working in an organization over there. And, you know, these are big jumps. That's a big, monstrous, huge, life-altering leap of faith that every one of these people had to take. And they had to let go of a lot in order to make that transition. Um, some of those things were small. Like being able just to run out to your favorite restaurant? I don't think there's a lot of like Chick-fil-A's in Thailand yet. I had a friend in Myanmar, a a KFC opened, and he posted on Facebook, he's like, Hallelujah, food I recognize, this is great, you know? And so they let go of stuff like that. Um, Sometimes they let go of the way they dress. I remember the first time um, my friend who's, it's funny that he's in Myanmar, because the population of Myanmar is not known for being tall, and he's like 6'6". And so he's one of those like weird, like, he looks like an NBA player walking around with all these like, other people there. But he posted a picture not long after he got there, and I don't know what the name of it is. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but it looked for what I would know, a skirt. you know. It, and it's like, well, that's weird. I would get made fun of for wearing that to the grocery store, but that was normal. And so that's what he was trying to wear and immerse himself in the culture. Um, sometimes you let go of something just as simple as restrooms that you know how to use. There's a lot of squatty potties in the world. I saw somebody again. I so I see weird stuff on Facebook for people who go overseas and they take a picture. And they're like, what do you do with this weird hole in the ground? He's like, well, that's that's the toilet. And it's like, I don't know if I got the leg strength to even use that. Like, let alone you know figure out how to use all the buttons and levers that go with things like that. So that's the small stuff that you got to give up. But then you got to think of the big emotional things, like not seeing my family, but every few years, if. You can't even pull that off. Um, acknowledging that you're gonna, your children are going to have an entirely different childhood than you had. I mean, that's weird. Like, I love my childhood, and there's certain, like, staples of, of an American childhood, right, that you want to give your kids sometimes if you grew up in that culture, and to say, my kids aren't going to have any of that. Um, they gave up for their kids to be able to see grandma and grandpa regularly, aunts and uncles regularly, spend Christmases, Thanksgiving together. And then sometimes they face huge resistance On the way to making this transition like we had some friends that became overseas missionaries and their family just said no you're not going and they had to say we're adults and you can't stop us and this is what God has called us to do and it created some tension in their family and they had to kind of let go of some peace in their family or at least that peaceful stable dynamic where mom and dad felt like they could still call the shots and they had to say Sorry. And there was something they had to let go of and something that kind of had to break in order for them to honor God. And so there's so many ways where we are going to have to let go of something in order to pursue what God has for us. And that can be incredibly uncomfortable, incredibly painful, and even very, very scary. Now, a lot of times, God is going to ask you to let go of good things. And that's not, I don't say that encouragingly, but that's just the reality of it. God's going to say, You've got to let go of this thing that's not evil, it's not wrong, it's not sinful, you, but this is something that you've got to let go of to move on. You know, Family, friends, where you grew up, that kind of stuff. But sometimes God's what's going like to spur you on to a leap of faith is letting go of something that is sinful and wrong, that is holding your life back. And the reason you can't move forward honoring God is because you're dishonoring him in the present. And so a leap of faith might be that you're going to get out of that bad relationship that does not honor him because it's abusive, or sexually immoral, or just unhealthy for a variety of reasons. Maybe you have to admit that you have a, a deep heart-level attachment with money, and you love it, and your hope depends on it, and your 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 security and your your peace of life is not based in God's uh, providence for you, but it's based in the numbers that are in your bank accounts and your retirement accounts. And so a leap of faith in that moment might mean letting go of some money and finding charities that you can support or, or giving you know, generously to your church, but, but that leap of faith might be generosity to say, God, I honor you. I'm gonna trust you, not my money, not my stuff. Uh, maybe, excuse me, maybe a leap of faith is because you have a desire to control every aspect of your life. And this is so powerful. And I I don't know if I was ever this way. I probably was, but it really became obvious to me that I wanted to control everything when I had kids. And they got old enough to hang out with other kids. And I don't know if you know this about other kids, but they're not as good as my kids. Have you met other kids? They're, they're just not they're not as nice as my kids or friendly as my kids, because my kids are perfectly innocent angels who never do anything wrong. You don't have to groan. Somebody groaned. I mean, they're I mean, I get it. They're not perfect, I know. But, but Abby and I said the other day, man, I wish we could have absolute total control over who our kids spend time with all the time. But we can't because they're going to go to school, and they're going to make friends with that kid that we don't like. They're going to go out and ride their bikes around the block, and they're going to hang out with kids that are a little maybe rough around the edges for our taste, and that's just something there. But if you have that desire to control, you want to plan every second of every day. You want to organize every relationship. You want to do this and do that, and and you want to just make sure everything goes just so, and it's driving you crazy. And if it's not driving you crazy, then just let me tell you, it's driving the people around you crazy. But it scares you to death to think for one second that you might be able to take your hands off the wheel of life. You, you fear what would happen if for one second you trusted God and let go of control. And so maybe that would be the step of faith that you need to take to let go of something. Because if you ever want to have the faith that he wants for you, you have to let go of something. And whether it's a good thing that you're going to be asked to let go of or these sinful things, it can still be hard because sin can be very comfortable. Sin can be very fun. Sin can, can bring you a certain level of comfort because sometimes some of us have, have long habits of sin in our lives that have been in our lives longer than any of our friends have. Like our longest relationship is with whatever, pornography or beer or whatever it might be. And so letting that go is going to be a painful transition. But one of the ways to help us make that transition is to keep our minds on what God is offering us beyond Letting go. What God is offering us once we get to the end of this process, which is the catch. Here's what God said to Abraham. So he says, Abraham, let go of everything and go where I'm going to tell you to go. And then he gives Abraham like some light at the end of the tunnel stuff. He says, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot, which is his nephew, went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, departed his life that he had known for so, so long. Now, again, Abraham is 75 years old. And what makes this promise so incredibly special, if we go back a few verses, it says at the very beginning, I will make you a great nation. A nation is people. Meaning, Abraham, your descendants are going to be so many. You're going to have so many branches on your family tree that it's going to make up an entire nation. And as we know, that became the nation of Israel. But at this point in his life, Abraham had no kids. His wife was unable to have children. And so, in the ancient world, that was seen as a curse. That was seen as like divine punishment. That God has has punished you for your sin, or the gods have punished you for something you did wrong, and so you don't get to have any kids. And Abraham's dream of having a family, I mean, he's 75. That's a dream that he's let go of already. That's a dream, that's a, that's a, a, a wish they prayed for for a lot of years, and that ship sailed a long time ago. And then at his 75, God shows up and says, I'm going to make you a great nation, which means I'm going to give you at least a kid. And Abraham's probably thinking, would have been nice if you showed up 50 years ago when I like, had some energy to chase a toddler, but whatever, you know, that's part of the leap, I guess. And so the promise here for Abraham is that Abraham is going to have some kids if he follows God and trusts him. And not only is he going to have kids, but he's going to have a family tree, a thriving, flourishing family tree. And people aren't going to look at him anymore like he's cursed by God because he doesn't have kids. He's going to be considered great, so great that whoever he blesses is going to be blessed, and whoever curses him is going to be cursed. And then one more amazing bit of the promise And why I say this is the story that takes us throughout the entire rest of the Bible, is it says, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed through Abraham's family tree. It was through Abraham's family tree that Jesus was born, who died on the cross for the sins of the entire world, so that the entire world would have salvation, could have salvation, could have forgiveness of sin through him. And so this blessing takes place, this blessing that Jesus would come and save the whole world, Starts with a single promise to a single guy who had no kids and had no hope of having kids. And God said, follow me and we'll take care of things. But you got to let go of something. And Abraham leaped. And those leaps of faith require us letting go of something that's familiar, something that's comfortable, something that is in our life that doesn't need to be there anymore. And sometimes those will be big things you've got to let go of. That sometimes there will be big course corrections for your life that everybody looks at and say, why are you doing this? Sometimes the, a, a leap of faith is going to be something that you do kind of privately. It's a decision you make that nobody even sees. Nobody ever sees it coming. Nobody knows it's there but you. But I promise you, if you're a Christian and you follow God for any length of time, at some point, you're going to feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your life saying, you need to go this way. And you're going to feel some resistance in your heart because you know what it means you've got to give up. And so you've got to decide, how faithful will I be? Will you be a missionary? Will you decide to admit your addiction and finally get help? Will you give sacrificially? Will you commit to actually following Jesus, going all in with Jesus and getting baptized? Will you shift careers? Will you commit to honoring God with your sexuality? Will you vow to pray more and try to control less? Will you commit to finally sharing your faith with someone? Big or small, you and I are going to be called to make these moves of faith where we have to let go of what we have been living, the way we have been living, to live a better way for God, a way that honors Him. And you and I are going to have to decide in those moments, is living a life that honors God, that deepens our faith, worth what we have to give up? And my job is to convince you that anytime God asks you to go somewhere, it's always worth the cost. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I think a lot of us have settled for less with our lives, with our faith. I think far too many of us have seen Christians like maybe Nate and Hope take a big step of faith and go off onto the other side of the world to share Jesus with people. And we saw that and we thought of all the things we'd have to give up and we thought, nope. And we just kind of of blocked off that entire category of life for ourselves. I remember in college, I've told you this before, I prayed multiple times in college. Dear God, do not call me to be a missionary. I will not listen. I mean... I just, it scared me to death. I didn't want to go anywhere else. I'm much more open to it now. Still haven't heard the call yet, but, but, but I mean, that's what we do. We say, God, I'm not going to listen to that. And so anytime anybody talks about something like that, anytime somebody talks about a big, giant gesture of faith, you think, that's what spiritual superheroes do, not regular people like me. And so we block off entire categories of leaps of faith because we think that's for someone else. And we've settled, I think, in many ways for smaller, more mediocre and often stale faith because we think big leaps of faith don't apply to us. But like I said, Abraham's leap of faith led to the birth of a nation. It led to a family tree that ultimately led to Jesus coming into the world and changing the entire face of spirituality. Every other world religion that has ever existed or will ever exist, outside of Jesus, every world religion says, you try to be good enough for God. You clean yourself up and then maybe God will accept you. Christianity says, you're a mess and God loves you right where you are. Come to God, mess and all. Nothing else is like that. There has never been a, a way to salvation, a path to salvation like the one offered to us in Christ. And like I said, if you look back on that verse three, bless the whole world through, through Jesus and through that, that, that step of faith that Abraham was going to take. And he didn't know what that meant. He simply trusted God's word and he wanted to follow him to something better. So as we go through this series, Occasionally at times, I'm going to talk about big steps of faith, like being a missionary. That's, I'm not saying that's your calling. I'm just saying that's an example of a big leap of faith. I think most of us could agree for that. Um, but we're going to talk about things like that, big ones and small ones. And I want you to picture yourself making a big leap of faith like that sometimes. And I want you to sit with that for a minute and not just go, not for me. I don't want you to block it off so quickly. Open your mind, open your heart to those bigger leaps of faith before you move past it too quickly because I think a lot of us, again, we've missed out on seeing God do amazing things in our lives and amazing things in our souls because we just thought, again, that stuff is not for me. So today we talked about letting go. Next week we're going to look at the second part of this very often challenging leap of faith business, which is the weight. And I, talk, I, I didn't try to sugarcoat it today. I tried to be honest that letting go is painful. But sometimes the weight can be more painful because you start to doubt God. You start to doubt, is he ever going to reach out and grab my hands and keep me from plummeting and falling to my demise? Is God actually going to be there to catch me or is he going to let me fall? So I would encourage you, try to make it to every part of this series. If you're here this week, I would encourage you to try to come back because every one of these elements of A Leap of Faith, you've got to understand them all if you hope to, I think, build your faith enough to trust Him actually when you're called to take a step of faith. So don't miss it. Maybe invite someone to join you. Maybe share this message with them so that they can be a little intrigued as to what we're going to talk about next week. Because you and I, I think there's going to be a lot of times where we are faithfully called to let go to spend some time waiting, and to show wait until God catches us with his amazing arms and comes through for us at just the right moment, not when we want him to, but in just the right moment. Every single one of us, if we follow Jesus, at some point in time, we're going to be called to make the leap. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for the life that you have called us to live. We are grateful for the fact that you do often challenge us to to take deeper steps of faith. You do challenge us to take these moments of life where you tr- where you offer transitions, where you call us to, to more faithful steps. And sometimes it might be a step where we don't know what the future holds exactly, but we feel a sense that you're calling us to, to change career paths, or you're tra- calling us to maybe pursue a, a degree somewhere. Maybe we don't know where that's leading. Maybe you're calling us to finally admit a sin that we've kept in the dark so that we can get help, and that that can be removed from our lives, and, and that takes trust because sometimes there's consequences to opening our, our the, that closet where our skeletons are and letting people peek inside. And so, Father, I just pray that we would trust you enough to take leaps of faith because until we've spent that time waiting and until we've seen you come through for us, I, I think we just spend too much of our lives doubting and wondering and and closing ourselves off to the best you have for us. We say certain things like that are for the you know, people who have super, super big faith, but maybe the reason we see people as having super faith is just because they took a leap with you. They trusted you enough to see what was out there. They didn't know what was out there. They didn't know what you had for them, but they trusted you enough to know that you had something better. And so I pray that we would be people who, open, who are open to the fact of you growing us to have super faith, superhuman strength in, in that area so that we can see the, the better world you have for us, the better faith that you have for us. And that you can, you're gonna use people like us who are broken and imperfect and messy, but you're gonna use us to accomplish your purposes and your goals. And I just pray, Father, that we would have the trust that you could use broken people to do that. And I pray that we would be open to letting go of our lives that are comfortable, letting go of our lives that are familiar, letting go of things around us that we care about, because we know that you have something better for us and you always take care of us. And like with Abraham, when we trust you and we move when you tell us to move, we just pray, Father, that that you would give us enough trust to know that you're going to catch us in all things. Thank you again for Christ. Thank you for the promise that you made to Abraham that would ultimately lead to the salvation that comes in Jesus and this amazing foreshadowing of that work that you've been planning for millennia. It's an amazing story to tell, and I'm glad that we have the Bible every week to, to read it and understand it and, and dive a little deeper into it. May that also grow our faith beyond measure. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.